Good morning. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Doing good. Pastor, that's a good response for the first Sunday of a new year. Look to your neighbor and say, Happy New Year's. Look to the person behind you and say, I don't know you yet, but Happy New Year's. Man, it is a good day to be in church this morning. We are so excited that you guys are here. If you do not know me, my name is uh, Phil Johnson, and I have the honor of serving as uh, Emmanuel's youth director, overseeing our youth. There, get it. Let's go. Um, and so I have the opportunity to, to serve in that capacity. And uh, it's an exciting day because uh, our youth coordinators are going to be communicating at all of our campuses this morning at Elk River and Maple Grove and then here. And so we are really excited um, and humble once again to have the opportunity to lead such a great group of young people. Um, it is one of the most exciting things uh, for, that I believe we can do is to see young people discover who God has created them to be and what he's placed inside of them. And as they are on that journey, and we're partnering with uh, you guys, and, and parents, it is so amazing to see uh, as they become to, or come to that realization of who God has created them to be. And so it is a complete honor to be up here this morning. I want to give a shout out to Pastor Nate, um, our lead pastor. Can we give it up for Pastor Nate here this morning? Pastor, I mean, for those of you that you don't, uh, you might not realize this, but we are a part of a 50 plus year old church plant. And uh, it is not a normal thing to have only had three leading pastors in a 50 plus year church. And usually a church of our age usually is, um, it's declining or it's kind of plateauing, but we have seen God continue to do amazing things at Emmanuel. And it's not, we believe it's not just because of an individual, but there has to be someone leading the way. And we have been so blessed as a church, whether it's Pastor Denez or Pastor Nate, to have a God-fearing leader as our captain of our ship here at Emmanuel. So if you could just give it up one more time for our lead a fearless leader. All right, um, I have to do a, another shout out to you real quick before I move forward. Some of you are like, didn't you, like you guys just have a baby? My amazing wife just had the baby. She did all the work. Uh, baby Paxton Mark Johnson was born not even a week ago, six days ago. Got a photo popping up behind. I mean, definitely, you'll, you'll definitely see that he gets the, the looks from his mom. Uh, and then his older brother, we have another one, Parker Robert. He is so excited to be a big brother. Um, the issue, though, that we're finding is he wants to play basketball with Paxton and throwing the basketball in the crib. We're like, no, we don't want concussions yet. He can't catch. And so he wants to hold them every 10 seconds, but that's about how long it lasts then. So he goes, hold them, hold them. We put baby in there. He goes, done. And we're like, all right, 30 seconds later, he wants to hold him again. We're like, this is going to get old real quick. And so uh, be praying for my wife, though. She is the only woman in the house. We have the two boys, myself, and a very, very boy dog. And so just be praying for her uh, as we move forward. Well, looking back, 2016, it was a crazy year. I'm a big sports fan. And so it was kind of dubbed the greatest year in sports history. There was the Olympics where we saw Michael Phelps make history with uh, the many medals that he won, which were more than some countries had won in their history. There was Simone Biles. Uh, there was the Cleveland Cavaliers making history. I'm sorry for you Golden State Warrior fans in here. Uh, making history is the first team in the NBA to come back down from a 3-1 deficit. There was the Chicago Cubs making history. There was the Minnesota, eventually I'm speaking that in faith, 2017. <laughs> I'm speaking in faith. The Timberwolves will make the playoffs. Vikings will have a healthy team come 2017. Packers, enjoy it while you can. Your time's coming. Saith the Lord, all right? 
I don't know if that's heresy, but we're just going to believe that. We're taking a step of faith here at Emmanuel, all right? Entertainment, it was a tough year. Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie broke up. That was, uh, it was, it was hard on a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of people that emotionally are invested into their relationship. That was, it was a tough one. It really was. I mean, and I'm not going to get into it, but election. I'm just going to say, wow. That escalated quickly. I, was a, I think I was one of the most emotionally draining relationships I've never not had. And just to be a part of it, and it's like, it, it was almost like the movie Lion King, and you were like one of the hyenas. If you mentioned Mufasa, they were like, ooh. <laughs> like friendships were ending. It was, it just, it got real, real quick. And then uh, just also in our communities, there was moments of joy in, in our family circles and our neighborhoods, but then there was also moments of pain this year, whether it was with shootings and different things that were taking place in our community. So whether you wanted to or not, we were affected in one way or another. Something touched us relationally, emotionally, spiritually this year, whether it was by people we knew, uh, uh, community issues that we felt very strongly about or were hurt by. We were all tested and tried at one point in 2016, but here's what I, I'm so grateful for, is that in the Bible it says God's mercies are new every morning, not every year. They don't reset once a year, but they are available to us on a daily basis. And so as we look forward here into 2017, we look back at 2016, and we can honestly say, man, our faith was put to the test. As followers of Jesus, our faith did not go untouched. It did not go unchallenged. And looking forward, here's where I find encouragement in that. Because a lot of times as followers of Jesus, people are looking to us and going, okay, what's this gospel that you preach? Who is this Jesus that you believe in? Because a message prepared in, in, in our mind, a message prepared in thought will only reach a mind. But a message prepared in life, that's what reaches a life. That's a message that as you're walking through some, something, somebody looks at you and goes, brother, I, we're going through the same thing, but how come you have joy and I'm like depressed? How come is it that we're, you're going through a worse financial situation than I am, but yet you seem to have a peace about you? Because it's because those messages prepared in life reach a life. It's not just, hey, this is a cool sounding tweet or a great Facebook post that I saw somebody else post about. That'll reach somebody on a surface level. But it's the message prepared in life that reaches a life. And so if we are going to grow in faith this year, Emmanuel, in 2017, if we are going to grow in our faith, we have to learn to have a faithfulness that can stay on the ice. We will have to ha learn to have a faithfulness to stay on the ice. And we're going to unpack that here in a little bit. But Romans 8.18, the Apostle Paul writes, and this is what he says. He says, For I consider that the sufferings from, of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He's saying that we can't just get caught up with the present. We can't just get caught up uh, in the immediate, but we have to look beyond. That's what faith is. God, the best is yet to come. And that saying, it's not just saying my blessings are behind me or right now. My blessings are before me. God, that you have something greater coming. And what I love about this word faithfulness, some different definitions that had popped up, it's endurance or crashing through quitting points. But my favorite one is a long obedience in the same direction. Faithfulness, it's a long obedience. Not a short, not a quick, not an instantly streamed, but a long obedience in the same direction. And so for us, if we're going to have this faith that's growing this year, there's a couple points we need to remember as we take, so, take those steps this year, is that as God's faithfulness to us, 
1 Thessalonians 5.24 reads like this. Faithful is he who is calling you, and he will also do it. The way I interpret that is I love going out to eat. I love going to different restaurants, love get, going out with different people. And how many of you have that friend, you don't have to point to them if you're sitting by them, that they're like, oh, I got the check, I got it. But then they like to have like crocodile arms, like that Geico commercial. When the check comes, they're like, oh, just, oh man, my wallet, it's in my, my wife's car that's at home or that's actually in the shop. Hey, hey, John, can you get that this time? It's like, we have those friends, but what I love about God is God pays for what he orders. God doesn't just pay for what he orders. He pays for what we or We can invite as many. He's saying, hey, invite your friend. They can order whatever they want. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to pay for what I order. God is faithful. Even though people might have failed us in 2016, we have had people and organizations that have let, let us down. We have seen time and time again, century after century, millennia after millennia, that God is a proven to be faithful. He is undefeated. He is not, the, he's not one of these teams that just lose a close one. He is undefeated unmatched, uncomparable. He, God is faithful. We need to be reminded of God's faithfulness. But then also we need to be reminded of God's command for us to be faithful. Luke 16.10 reads this. It says, If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are not trustworthy in the little things, you won't be trustworthy with greater responsibilities. Uh, this past fall, we had a great opportunity. Our youth ministry took part in a Speed the Light challenge. And what Speed the Light is, it's part of our denomination as Assemblies of God. Speed the Light is an opportunity for young people to get involved with supporting missionaries that are spreading the gospel all throughout the world. And it's been amazing to see the last couple years in Minnesota, the youth in Minnesota have helped raise over a million dollars each of the last two years. And Emmanuel has got to play a very special part of that. And this last year, in the fall, we took our big give. And um, we, our students, your students, had a very audacious goal. It was double the largest amount we would have ever received as a youth ministry in one night. And my wife and I, we got home and we were having that conversation like, well, God, what's that amount for us? As, as youth directors, what do you feel like you're leading us to? And God kind of gave us that number. We looked at each other. We're like, God, we're, we're tithing. We're giving to Hello Possible already. And my wife's Italian, so her and God have very honest conversations. All right? It's very much like they're, they're wrestling. Like, this verbal wrestling matches between her and God. And... It had gotten to the point, our, that number, it was going to dip into the amount that we were saving up for our new baby boy and his car seat and some of the different materials that we would need to, for him when he came in a, in a few months. But finally, my wife came back and she had this piece. It was kind of that Italian piece of like, fine, God, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Fine. And I, her heart was right. I just think that just the external part of that was like, fine, we're going to do it. And that night came, and it was amazing. Your students helped uh, raise that. All of our campuses, over $35,000 that night for missions. And we would, yes, give it up for your students. And we went home, and we looked at each other, and it wasn't regret, but it was like, oh, God, you did this. This is amazing. I can't believe that. And a week later, it, it was, it's always funny how God just shows up. It, it really is. And my wife's best friend came up from Texas, and, um, and I mean, she doesn't come from any money, but out of nowhere, we wake up, or like, she gets there, she goes, hey, look what I got you. And it was the exact car seat that my wife had been saving up. And she goes, what? She goes, I felt like I just wanted to bless you. 
And we just thought, it was one of those moments, it's like, we can never, never count out God's faithfulness to us, but he has also commanded us to be faithful. It's a two, two sides of the coin. We can't just say, okay, God, you're faithful and not do anything. God has commanded us to be faithful as well. Now, I could almost end right there, and you're like, Pastor Phil, that's good. I'm going to go into 2017. God is faithful. He has commanded me to be faithful. But here's our tension that we have here today. This is the tension that all of us have and will have at one point in 2017. It's, go with me here on this, it's faithfulness in having faith. Think about that. It's the tension of remaining faithful in our faith to God. In that he is who he says he is. He can do what he says he can do. Our faithfulness to coming before him with that. And a story in the Bible that kind of pops up here to me is found in Mark chapter 9, verse 14 through 29. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit this morning. Now, Jesus had just descended down from the mount from transfiguration. And so, like, he was, like, on a spiritual high. Like, I mean, it was a moment, all right? It's one of, uh, it's one of the uh, just, like, defining moments in, in all of the Gospels. But Jesus comes down, and there's this crowd, and there's his disciples that some of the disciples he had left down there. Um, how many of you know that, I mean, even disciples, they could stir things up a little bit. And between the disciples and some of the religious leaders of that day, they were arguing. And there was this huge crowd. It was almost like a school fight. They're like, you ain't going to hit him, though. You ain't going to hit him, though. And Jesus is like, what is going on? Like, what's, what's happening? And so Jesus steps in this moment, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this father comes up. And then he has that look in his eyes. And parents of, of kids, you know this look. It's that look of desperation when something isn't right, and you can't do anything about it. And this father emerges out of this crowd of just people that are excited to see Jesus. But this father emerges and, and he has this look on his face. And, and what, Jesus asks, what, what's wrong? And the father goes, I, I have this son. And, and from birth, he just hasn't been right. And if you look into it, from birth, it's this son. His son wasn't only um, epileptic. He was mute. He was deaf. But he was also possessed by an evil spirit. And as, as a father, I'm thinking about this. How tough would it be as a father of this boy? And you're looking around as these other boys in the community are growing up. They're, they're, they're growing into fine young men. And, and this, is, this dad's just trying to, to keep his boy. Uh, he's just like worried. like, man, are you, are you okay? While other fathers are teaching their boys how to ride their bikes or play catch, this dad was just worried about keeping his son alive. And this is the man that approaches Jesus. And he was desperate. And he was tired, and his prayer reflects that. In verse 22, when he says, Jesus, if you can do anything for him, please have pity on us and help. And this word if, and this is my kind of like the biblical nerd part of me coming out here for just a moment. The word if in this passage translated in the Greek, it implies strong doubt. Kind of translating into like current language of going, this might be a little out of your league, Jesus. But if you can... I would sure appreciate it. And Jesus in this moment, and I love, Jesus doesn't mince words. Jesus doesn't waste, Jesus is pretty real. So he goes, if you can, if you can, all things are possible for those who believe. And in Mark 24, I love how the NKJ or the New King James Version reads this. He says, and straight away the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe Help me in my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Scripture then records Jesus responded in honesty or to that honest and immediate, immediately heals the boy. 
And we see that in this moment, this tension that this father was wrestling with. The faith was there. Jesus, I believe. But the faithfulness helped me in my unbelief. God, I believe in you. It's just this situation I'm going through right now. I'm having a hard time. You see, we can't keep doubt from coming, but we can keep our faith from fleeing. We can't keep doubt. Doubt's going to come. That's the devil. He's going to try to come at you. And it's kind of, a, a, as the old illustration goes, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest on top of your head. And the same goes with doubt and faith. And so um, as we are moving into 2017, there's just a few things I want to encourage you guys with here this morning from Scripture and from this story that I believe areas that our faithfulness will be tested, but what we can do as followers of Jesus to remain faithful in our faith, to remain faithful to stay on the ice. First one, first key today is our faithfulness in the mundane times. Faithfulness in the mundane times. Hebrews 13, 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. See, right choices will eventually bring out right emotions. Um, uh, right now, we're gearing up our staff, our youth staff. We've just uh, decided we're doing a big speed the light kind of marathon in May. We're not doing the marathon. There's three options, a 5K, half marathon, and a 30 mile. I'm going to let you all know, we love Jesus and we love missions, but we're doing a 13 mile. We're going to go halfway on that one. Now, I've never ran more than eight miles in my life. And so when I did 13 miles, it was a step of faith. Even my wife looks at me and goes, you sure? <laughs> but babe, I got this. And the first day of training, I didn't run a mile. And I'm like, I don't got this. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. And so I've been going to the gym and, and trying to train up for this starting early. But what I have found, and that treadmill can get boring. I don't feel like, as someone that's like a, a task-driven person, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. And it, it, to make matters worse, the gym that I've been going to, the one TV, like the only treadmill that's been available, and I kid you not, is this one area that's stuck in front of the TV that's broken. And me and Judge Judy have been hanging out for the last couple days. And how many of you know, I'm like, I'm like, I keep looking at the clock, I'm like, God, have I gotten to a mile yet? Have I gotten to two miles yet? I can't believe it. He did it! All right. All right. But it, it gets boring. And a lot of times in our, in our journey, in our faith journey, it can feel boring. It's like, okay, God, I, I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible, I'm doing all this. But we, we got to remain faithful in the mundane. we got to remain faithful in those little things. And be encouraged this year. Maybe it's... In reading your Bible, you're like, man, I've, I've gone through the Bible in a year from, from Genesis to Revelation. Well, the YouVersion Bible it has some great plans. Mix it up. Start in Matthew. And then we're starting Exodus. Like, switch up some different things. Do something new. But do not lose faithful or do not lose faith in doing those mundane things or those ordinary. Because those right choices br eventually bring out the right emotions. Faith, key number two, faithfulness in the good times. Faithfulness in the good times. Ecclesiastes 7.14 says this, When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this, God has made the one as well as the other. You see, what I've found a tension that we have, in the good times we feel thankful for God, but we don't feel like we need God. In the good times, a lot of times we'll feel thankful like, God, thank you for blessing my family with health. Thank you for blessing us with financially so that we could go to this restaurant or have this vacation. But deep down, if we're honest, sometimes it, it doesn't feel like we need him in that moment. And so there's a, a tension of having faithfulness in, in the good times. Because I found it sometimes, I don't know what, if it's just me, but it could be harder having faith, or having faith in the hard or in the good times than it is in the hard times. 
Because in the hard times, you're like, I have nothing else but you, God, so I'm, I'm having faith. So you have to do this. I can't do this. But in the good times, there's almost like, oh, I got this, God. Don't worry. Hey, um, I'll come back to you next week. I'll check in, let you know how everything's going, but I, I got this for now. Go help somebody else. I'm good. And for me, and I don't know if it's anything, anybody out there as well, but there's that tension of going, God, do I need you as much as that father needs you in the times where everything's going well? Because I have found that it's, if we have that habit of having that desperation, of remaining faithful in the good times, when the hard times come, it's a natural reaction. It's a natural response. That life, reaching a life, that's where people stop you and go, brother, I don't know how you're doing it. I don't know how you're getting through it with your girl. You're like, listen, I celebrated God on the mountaintops. I celebrated him in the valley. Winston Churchill had a great quote. He says, it's the mountaintops that inspire us, but it's the valleys that mature us. So even when we're on the mountaintops, we got to make sure that we are giving God the honor and the praise and the credit that he deserves. Because in those valleys, it's going to make it a lot easier to have that response in those moments. So it's that faithfulness in the good times. Key number three, faithfulness in the hard times. Galatians 6, 9, it reads, And let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for at the right time we will reap a full harvest if we do not give up and quit. Some of y'all feel like you stumbled to the finish line in 2016. Some of you felt like, hey, I'm good. I, I busted through my company. We made more than we did last year. We doubled our, our income this past year. But whatever it is, we need to remain faithful in those hard times that when it gets tough to not quit. Uh, President Teddy Roosevelt had this credit or this uh, quote, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood to the man who spends himself on a worthy cause. At his best, he will know the triumph of achievement. And at his worst, if he fails, he will fail Daring greatly. You see, as we take these steps of faith, a lot of times it doesn't feel like it's going to be worth it. That, God, it's already bad for me. It's already tough. The stuff with my wife and I, we're on the rocks, uh, just at, at the company. I mean, just the, the money isn't there like it used to be. But it's in those moments where God is cheering us on. You don't have a bigger cheerleader than God. You don't have someone who is, he's not in the back row, nosebleeds, waving a tiny little pennant. God is on the sidelines. He is cheering you on. He is wearing your family colors. He's saying, you got this. I see what you're going through. I know what you're going through, but do not quit. Do not quit. Because when you are at your worst, I'm still going to give you my very best. Just because you feel like you're not doing the best you can doesn't mean I'm going to shortchange you. So we got to have the faithfulness in the hard times as well. And finally, our last key here today, and I'm going to invite the band up at this time. Key number four is our faithfulness in the times that our commitment becomes costly. Faithfulness in the times when our commitment becomes costly. Matthew 10, 22. Once again, I love how real Jesus is. Jesus is not, the, as much as we, some of the pictures paint him to be this peaceful figure, Jesus is going to let you know what's coming, and he's going to let you know what's happening. Matthew 10, 22, Jesus said, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Something we tell our students in our youth ministry is every platform has a price and every calling has a cost. 
And one of the reasons we see so many young people never reach that full potential, that never truly discover who God created them to be, is because when things got costly, they decided to trade it in. You know what, God? I, I just want the bowl of stew. I just, I, I just want, I, I don't want to go through all this ridicule. I don't want to go. This, is, this costs too much. And for you as well here, whether you're a, a business owner, a teacher, in politics, a parent, a single parent, your platform will come at a price. The calling comes at a cost. Our faith is not free. Our faith is not free. But what we see and we discover within people, as Bishop Jakes says, Bishop T.D. Jakes, he says, are you fit for fun or are you fit for faith? Or is your, is your faith fit for fun or is your fit fun, blah, blah, blah. Man, that's a lot of, okay. Is your faith, I'm going off my notes here. Is your faith fit for fun or is your faith fit for the fight? Is your faith fit for the fun or is your faith fit for the fight? And a lot of times we see where our faith is at when it becomes costly. And one of the greatest revenge that we can have on hell itself is endurance. Some of the single parents, single moms out there, you know this. As your kid is walking through whatever they're walking through, you're like, God, be with them. Be with them. And I, I, I can't say one of the greatest joys I, I can see is when a mom, a parent, sees their kid discover who God's created them to be. And seeing those years of prayer. So may that be an encouragement for some of you that feel like you're in that fight right now. Be encouraged. Some of the greatest revenge you can get on the attacks from hell is endurance. I'm gonna end with this illustration here. Back in three, uh, 320 AD, and now modern day Turkey, there was a, a Roman guard, a Roman legion that was stationed in this town. And this governor of this town had found out there was about 40 soldiers that refused to sacrifice to, to the gods. Kind of like a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego type situation. And he approaches these soldiers this, of this uh, legendary legion. He goes, hey, I heard you guys aren't sacrificing to the gods. Why? All your friends are doing it. You know that there's a severe punishment if you, if you don't go through th this. And the guys go, hey, we understand that. But to sacrifice to those gods is to turn on our faith in the one true God. And so in that moment, he starts threatening them, hoping that they would turn. He's like, guys, the first... I don't, want to, I don't want to flog you. I don't want to do this. But if you don't renounce it, there's going to be punishment. And the, this leader of this, this four, he looks up and he goes, whatever, whatever may come. Whatever may come. So in that moment, the governor orders the rest of the soldiers. They strip these 40 and they tie them to the post in the middle of this, uh, in the middle of this town, in the middle of winter. And they start flogging them. They start beating them. And the governor starts to look at him. He goes, I will give. I'll give you a raise, I'll give you a promotion for the first person that denounces this God. Teasing them with status, but not a word out of the 40 as they sat there freezing in the middle of this winter in Turkey. And the governor didn't know what to do and, and all of a sudden he calls the commander of the legion to the town. And when the commander gets there, he sees these men hanging on this post. And he wasn't as as calm as the governor, he looks at me, he goes, death will come to you unless you denounce this faith. And these soldiers look at the, the, the commander and as respectful as they can, they go, then death may come. We will not denounce our faith. And thinking of how he could go about this, 
The commander looks at me and orders all of them to be stripped naked and to be sent onto the middle of the lake. The lake had frozen over at this point. And so these men are tossed out into the middle of this frozen lake. And the rest of the soldiers begin to uh, bring out these hot baths and these hot all this hot food on the shore. And they begin yelling at the 40 men in the center of the lake saying, just give up. Denounce your faith. We have hot food. There's, there's clothes. There's a warm bath. There's, there's a promotion waiting for you. Just give up. Where is your God? And these 40 continue to huddle together. And where this commander thought it was going to be a quick exit, morning turned to afternoon, and afternoon, afternoon turned to evening. And these men say, sat, sat out on the middle of this lake singing hymns, joining together. And there was one soldier on the shore, he goes, hey, hey, do you see that? Do you see that out there? And everyone's looking at him like he's crazy. He goes, there's other people out there with them. They have glowing crowns over their head. Does not anybody else see that? And the soldiers are looking at him like he's crazy. And, and while they're arguing, one man comes in. One man from the lake had given up. He's like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. I can't do this. But the one soldier who was on the shore that saw what was taking place out there in that moment goes, I believe. And to the dismay of the rest of the troop begins stripping off his armor and runs out of the lake and says, 40 they went and 40 they will be. This God I believe. You see, that night, 40 men gave their life on the ice because they would not denounce their faith. And a lot of times in 2017, what I know to be true that will happen, that has happened year after year, is the devil in some way, somehow is going to try to call you off the ice of your faith. He's going to try to entice you saying, God doesn't really care about your family that much. Look, there's a better financial opportunity over here. Just cut this character corner real quick. There's going to be ways the devil's going to try to call you off the ice. But as followers of Jesus, with the world watching, we have to remain faithful in our faith to Jesus, to Him who has been faithful, to Him who has shown Himself faithful. So what does that look like for you in 2017? What does staying on the ice look like? Because that could look different for you. Some of you, it's on a parenting level. Some of you, it's on a, a, a business level. Some of you, it's on that personal relationship with Jesus level. Some of you have walked into 2017 going, God, this is my last year. I'm giving you a shot. This is it. But if we are going to grow in faith this year, if we are going to be the church that we know God is calling us to be, if we are going to be the followers of Jesus that we know he's called us to be, we have to have a faithfulness that stays on the ice. That when the world around us tries to entice us with worldly items and worldly success and, and worldly status, we have to go, God, where have you called us? As we see in the prayer of the Father, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. What I love about this prayer is it's an honest assessment of God, I need you to get through this. God, I, I believe, but I need you to help me because right now my flesh is weak. And so my prayer for us here today is in that, those moments where we feel like we're ready to get off the ice, where we're ready to give up this year, to throw in the towel with children we've been praying for, 
with that, that financial provision we've been hoping for, for the relational health to be restored. When we feel like we're ready to get off the ice and give up, may our prayer this year resemble the desperation of this father in Mark 9, where it says, God, I believe in you. I believe in what you say you can do and who you say you are. But God, I pray that you would strengthen my faith. God, I pray that you would bring about a faith, God, that can withstand the temptations of this world, the, the enticement of those that are on the shore trying to call me off what I know you have called me to. God, I pray that you would strengthen me. God, don't let my faith fail. Not so that I can get the credit, but God, so that you could get all the glory. So that you could get the credit, God. So that my light would shine so bright that it would be the hope that you called me to be in Matthew 5. It would be, I would be the light that you've created me, me to be in my job, in my school, in my family, at my business. Because Emmanuel, the world needs us as followers of Jesus to be who God has created us to be, to shine as God has called us to shine. And we can't do that if we're not on the ice. We can't do that if we're giving up. So today, the encouragement, may our faith grow deeper this year. May our faith grow stronger not just individually, but as Pastor Nate preaches, a redwood faith. Look to the left and right and behind you. There are people on this journey with you. You are not alone on this journey. You are not on the ice by yourself. Even though you might feel that all others have abandoned you, there are believers with you in this room, in this state, in this world that are praying and believing for the things of God to be accomplished and the kingdom to be seen and moved and advanced in this North Metro and around the world. But we cannot lose hope. We cannot lose hope. That as we step into uncertain times, even politically, we cannot look to the left or right. But as a church, as a believer, we need to stay in our lane saying, my eyes are on Jesus. Not a political figure, not a government, not all these other people, but it's on Jesus and Jesus alone. The only way we're going to get through. Because here's the thing, I don't believe God's called us to stumble to the finish line. But I believe God is going to raise up people in this room. And as that soldier ran back out to the ice and says, I'm with you, that we would have the eyes to see those around us that are struggling and saying, brother, sister, I'm with you. I'm with you. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. God's got you. I know you might not see it right now in the valley, but don't worry. God's got you. Just stay faithful. Remain faithful. So my prayer once again is that our faith would deepen, our faith would grow, and that we would continue to encourage those around us, that we would be connected to the rest of the body, that we would not have a spiritual leprosy where we are losing touch with the pain of those that are around us as well, but that we would be a church family as followers that would believe in who God says he is, not just in our life, but over others as well.